The next topic in Unit 5 are interest groups. Interest groups are organizations of people who come together to advance a common cause. Interest groups form because of freedom of association, which is the right of individuals to unite with others for expressive or political purposes. Although it's not specifically listed in the First Amendment, it has been recognized by the court as a protected right related to freedom of speech. Interest groups form around different types of issues, including economics, group welfare, professional membership, recreational interest, single issues, and areas of public concern. Some groups actually fall into multiple categories. These are the different types to remember. Number one, labor unions. Labor unions formed to address the conditions of working people, including safety, hours, and compensation. Examples of labor unions today include the American Federation of Labor and the Congress of Industrial Organizations, which is the AFL-CIO. Number two, business organizations exist to promote the collective interest of business and generally oppose regulation and legislation promoting workers' rights, so the opposite of a labor union. The United States Chamber of Commerce has more than 3 million member businesses and promotes a wide variety of business interests. Other groups, such as the National Association of Manufacturers, represent smaller segments of the economy. Number three, professional form interest groups for other economic and professional reasons, which means they are in the same type of employment and joined together for their actual job or profession. They include the ABA, the American Bar Association, which is for lawyers, the AMA, the American Medical Association for doctors, and the NEA, the National Education Association, which is for teachers. Number four, agricultural groups have traditionally been recognized as a unique economic interest group, such as the American Farm Bureau Federation. Uh, typically, they are promoting traditional small and mid-sized farms and farm agribusiness. Next are environmental groups to advance environmental protections, such as the Sierra Club, Greenpeace, the Environmental Defense Fund. Consumer groups are actual groups that advocate for the interests of consumers. So examples include the Consumers Union, which provides product information and actually publishes what's called consumer reports. Uh, there's also the Center for Science and Public Interest, the CSPI, which advocates for food safety. So even though you're not a member, what that group does still protects all of society as a whole. Interest groups also form to protect or advance group welfare on a societal level. So groups like now the National Organization for Women, which was formed in 1966 to advance women's rights, the NAACP, which is the National Association for the Advancement of Colored People to promote the civil rights of Af African Americans, as well as ARP, AARP, the American Association of Retired Persons, which promotes the interests of older Americans. We also have single issue groups that focus on one specific concern. Examples include the NRA, the National Rifle Association, which promotes the Second Amendment, and MAD, Mothers Against Drunk Driving. 
Lastly, there are government interest groups, which are composed of people actually already serving and representing in state and local government organizations. An example is the NGA, the National Governors Association, which joins together governors of all 50 states. A test tip to remember is to recall that James Madison in Federalist Number 10 actually addressed a commonly held concern that factions, aka interest groups, were both dangerous and inevitable. Madison argued that in a large republic, multiple factions would compete, ensuring that none would be dominant. He also believed that the negative effects of factions would be mitigated through the decisions of a sophisticated group of elected representatives, the separation of power among our three branches, and the system of federalism, which allowed for issues to be addressed at the appropriate level of government. What does an interest group actually do? The most important thing interest groups engage in is lobbying. Lobbying describes all of the various activities in which interest groups engage to actually influence members of Congress. So an interest group's number one job is to get Congress to pass laws to benefit their cause. They wait in the lobbies of congressional buildings to meet with senators and representatives to push their cause, whether they take them to lunch, make phone calls, meet up at social events. Interest groups also then donate money or financial support to candidates' campaigns. How they do this is through the legal group called PACs, Political Action Committees. PACs are known as the fundraising arm of an interest group. They offer financial contributions to a campaign, and they are limited by law to $5,000 per candidate per election cycle. Every PAC has to be registered with the government, and every interest group can only have one PAC. In addition to direct contributions, interest groups frequently offer indirect financial support. They can donate to the political party or sponsor political advertising as long as they do not coordinate their messaging with the candidate or campaign. PACs typically give to incumbents, people already serving in office, because they are more likely to be reelected. Interest groups also endorse a candidate which means that they encourage their members to vote for that candidate. They educate politicians by conducting research, providing them data and information. They frequently write legislation and provide provide drafts for politicians to actually propose in Congress. Interest groups educate and motivate the public to vote and become involved in political activities. Interest groups use grassroots pressure on politicians by calling on their members to contact politicians from the base level and basically get them to understand the importance of an issue or a cause. They also attempt to influence judicial outcomes by filing lawsuits, by representing a plaintiff, or filing amicus curiae briefs or friends of the court opinions. Interest groups do not run candidates for office, or concern themselves with political issues outside their area of concern. So very important or critical to know is to explain the difference between an interest group and a political party. Most interest groups' policy goals are more closely aligned with one party than another. For example, the concerns of environmental groups are typically reflected in the Democratic platform, 
Most interest groups form associations with and support members of one of the political parties. The parties support the policy goals of their constituencies. For instance, the NRA is overwhelmingly supportive of the Republican Party, and the Republican Party in such opposes gun regulation. Interest groups contribute financially to both candidates in an election to ensure a favorable relationship with the winner. Again, incumbency is more important than actual party affiliation. Interest groups with that typically support the incumbent over the challenger because they are more likely to be able to make laws or policies that advance the causes of the group. Both interest groups and political parties work to promote the agenda of their membership, but there is an important difference. Interest groups influence through lobbying, donations, and other methods, and they're focused on one key area. Parties run candidates to win elections, and they have a comprehensive platform. Important to understand with interest groups are iron triangles. Iron triangles are sometimes called uh, sub-government because this is where the three groups join together and actually are able to promote or get things done. Uh, They join together with congressional standing committees, an interest group, and a bureaucratic agency or part of the executive branch. Politicians and bureaucrats are frequently offered jobs working for interest groups, sometimes known as the revolving door, which means you were once an elected member of Congress, and now that you have left, you go work on the other side and actually lobby members of Congress and work for an interest group. Sometimes this is seen as an unfair advantage. Interest groups funding and membership. The power of an interest group is determined by how much money they're able to take in. Those best funded groups have the most political power. Some groups are very well funded and may offer politicians donations to their campaigns. Some groups offer less financial support, but they have a large membership. These groups offer the support of their members in the form of voting and campaign assistance. So for example, the AARP is actually a group that represents older Americans, about 40 million of them who can vote for politicians who support topics like social security, Medicare, housing, etc. Groups that lack financial resources uh, or influential membership will not be as effective at advocating policies. While campaign contributions succeed in securing access, actions to, uh, access to politicians, they do not necessarily translate into policy support. One common problem with interest groups is something called the free rider problem. The free rider problem is a funding challenge faced by interest groups who work to benefit as many people outside the group who are not members and are not motivated to contribute money. A classic example of the free rider problem is union membership. If workers in a particular industry or workplace are not required to pay union dues, many will not, but they still benefit from the union's negotiating powers. Interest groups encourage support and membership through three primary methods. Purposive incentives are the rewards of ethical and moral behavior. People feel satisfaction by contributing to a group for the greater social good. Solidarity incentives offer social rewards. Joining an interest group may allow people to spend time with other like-minded citizens. And material incentives are tangible benefits, things you can touch, 
uh, such as discounts offered to members, magazine subscriptions, and tote bags. The next topic is on social movements in history. Social movements are when broad-based coalitions of groups of individuals advocate for social change. Social movements typically have a moral component, and their goals involve challenging and changing norms and values. Social movements advocate for a variety of reasons. Social change in group rights, such as the civil rights movement, the women's movement, and the LGBTQ rights movement. They focus on current issues, such as environmental protection or consumer rights. They often include numerous interest groups joining together and advocating for a policy in the same field. For example, the civil rights movement was supported by the NAACP, as well as the, other, the Urban League and other interest groups. Recently, several social movements have arisen in the United States. Black Lives Matter, formed in 2013, the movement's goals include organizing protests, promoting black leadership, and opposing state-sanctioned and vigilante violence against black communities. The hashtag MeToo movement developed when the MeToo hashtag trended virally on social media when victims of sexual harassment and assault began to share their stories in order to call attention to the prevalence of these problems. March for Our Lives is a social movement that began as a student demonstration for increased government action to reduce gun violence in schools. It has expanded to become a larger movement focused on specific goals, including increasing youth voting. There are distinct differences between interest groups and social movements. Interest groups generally concern themselves with specific issues, while social movements champion for a broader cause. Multiple interest groups may agitate for change as part of a broader social movement. Interest groups are generally smaller, better organized, and more cohesive. They have clear membership and funding mechanisms, and they primarily rely on lobbying to achieve their goals. Social movements are more dispersed and lack an administrative structure and clear membership. They generally rely on protest activities and demonstrations to call attention to the cause. Social movement methods employ protests and public demonstrations in order to create change within a social and political system. Civil disobedience is the intentional breaking of laws or rules in order to call attention to that injustice. The roles of political parties, interest groups, and social movements in the U.S. political system provide numerous examples of participatory democracy or majoritarianism, pluralist democracy, and elite democracy or elitism theories. Candidates and parties win when they are supported by the largest number of voters in elections. That represents participatory democracy. The thousands of interest groups in our society represent a vast array of organizations and concerns so that no single group or small minority of groups is dominant. That represents a pluralist democracy. Powerful and wealthy elites support and participate in certain groups that are highly effective in advancing interests. Money gains access to political power and a primary role in setting the political agenda. Also, wealthy, connected candidates who can significantly finance their own political campaigns have an advantage in the candidate selection process and in elections. That represents the elitist theory of democracy.